Welcome to the Senior Pet Podcast, a show dedicated to giving our senior four-legged family members their happiest and healthiest lives. Now join our senior pet experts, veterinarian Dr. Stacy Bone and animal health insider Ron DeVries as they discuss why old age is not a disease. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Senior Pet Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Stacy Bone, and it is just me again today. We are still under a quarantine, of course, here in St. Louis and wanted to do another bite-sized podcast for everybody. And, you know, one of the things I think we've been getting a lot of um, kind of over the last couple few weeks is that a lot of us are spending more time with our pets at home, right? And because of that, especially with our senior pets, I, I've been getting some emails, questions from family and friends that, that basically revolve around like, I think my dog or my cat is painful. What can I do for them until they can, I can get them in to see a veterinarian? And I thought, you know, that's a really good episode, a really good kind of just um, short topic that we can cover that's really valuable, which is my pet hurts, what can I give them to help? And unfortunately, the answer to that is not much. A lot of our pain medications that we use for ourselves as humans do not translate well for usage in our veterinary patients. So let's go through the most common ones. So the first one is aspirin. And aspirin is one of those drugs that we probably get asked about the the most. So first things first, you absolutely do not use aspirin in cats, okay? That's one of the themes you're going to see kind of throughout this is that cats are exquisitely sensitive to a lot of the medications we can use for ourselves. And that just has to do with cats are not small dogs. If you're interested in that, I I really encourage you to go back a couple of episodes and listen to the episode that Ron did on why cats aren't small dogs. It's one of my favorite episodes that we've done, but it tells you a lot about, um, you know, the differences between them. And this is another really big one of those. So no aspirin in cats. Can you use aspirin in dogs? Yes, but, and this is the but, a couple of big things that I need to mention One, aspirin is a really cruddy pain medication. And think about that for ourselves, right? I mean, when I'm hurting, I I don't reach for aspirin anymore. I'll be honest, I'm not sure we even have aspirin in the house because it's just not an effective medication. And I think the same goes for our veterinary patients as well. So for dogs, again, you cannot use it in cats, but for dogs, aspirin is just a really cruddy pain medication. And You know, a lot of you have probably been to Petco or PetSmart or you've looked on Amazon and you've seen that they actually sell, quote unquote, like doggy aspirin. And so for short periods of time, you know, aspirin, baby aspirin specifically can be used in in patients. But I'm going to be honest with you, it's a a very small Band-Aid like it's it may help them a little bit but probably not a lot with regards to discomfort. The second thing is, is that it's really not great for long-term usage, right? So one of the things that aspirin does is it changes the way our blood clots. Using it long-term can actually lead to bleeding issues in our pets. 
Can you use it? Yes, you can. You you absolutely can. And there are dosages that you can find or speak with your veterinarian about it. But one, I wouldn't use it long term. And two, it's just really not good if your dog's really hurting, right? And so for things like arthritis or running around and they fell and slipped and are limping or non-weight-bearing lameness or anything like that, I mean, you're only making yourself feel better. You're, you're probably not making your dog feel all that great. Next on our list is ibuprofen. And ibuprofen is an absolute no. You do not use ibuprofen in dogs or cats, period. It can cause really serious issues with both the liver and the kidneys. Next up is naproxen, which if I remember right is, is what a leave and a leave is a big no as well. Absolutely no, no in dogs, no in cats, kidney issues, all the same things that we see with ibuprofen. Just absolutely please do not give either one of those um, to your pets. Next up is Tylenol. And I put Tylenol on this list because I think a lot of you if, if you have seen your pets specifically, and again, this is we're really talking about dogs here because Tylenol in cats is an absolute no. Again, you do not use Tylenol in cats, but in dogs, you probably have had your vet prescribe acetaminophen, which is Tylenol for your senior pets. The thing of it is, is that again, it goes back to the same thing that we talked about at the aspirin. So one it's not a great pain medication. The forms that we typically recommend in veterinary medicine is when they they mix acetaminophen with codeine. And so we'll use those two together because the mix of those two is potently wonderful for um, chronic pain in our veterinary patients. So um, acetaminophen codeine is, is a really common combination that we will use in our pets. But you have to be really careful when you use it. Like if you have it at your house, don't just pull it off the, the pantry shelf and say, I'm going to give this to my dog because they hurt. They, I mean, it's really specific situations. And I typically reserve it for what I call refractory pain or pain that I can't control with other medications or for dogs that cannot handle the other medications that I'm going to use. So off the list is ibuprofen. Off the list is Aleve. Aspirin is semi-okay, but but really talk to your vet. Make sure you're using the right dosage, but I'm going to go ahead and say don't use it in cats and be you know really careful using it in your dogs because it's just a really crappy pain medicine. And then Tylenol, which again, got to be very careful to use it in dogs. Do not use it in cats. And you got to make sure everything's going okay with the body before you pull it out and use it. So it's really, I, I would say, you know, use under the direction of your veterinarian because again, we're going to typically use it combined with other drugs. We're not just going to use Tylenol on its own. The final thing that we get asked a lot is, can I use my medication that I have for this dog? And the answer is no. I mean, there are certainly pain medications that we use from human side for our pets, things like tramadol and gabapentin and some other stuff. But one of the things that I, I really need to make sure to say is that our dosages in veterinary medicine are much higher than the dosages that you use in human medicine. That has to do with something called first pass metabolism. So the drugs that we give to dogs, for instance, 
um, they actually go straight to the liver and they get broken down. And we have to account for that as veterinarians. So in order to get the active drug out into the body, we have to give higher dosages. So your dose of gabapentin and your dog's dose of gabapentin could be completely different. And I would never, ever, ever recommend starting a dog on a medication without speaking with your veterinarian first. The final bit to, you know, this whole thing is, is that a lot of what we deal with in our senior pets, whether that's dogs or cats, has to deal with arthritis and inflammation. And there are very specific classes of drugs that are used to treat that inflammation. They're called non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or NSAIDs. And NSAIDs in veterinary medicine are specifically designed for species. We have ones that we use for dogs and ones that we use for cats. And really the heart and soul of treating arthritis, which is inflammation of the joints, is giving that patient an anti-inflammatory. Makes sense, right? You want to get rid of that inflammation and really the inflammation is what's causing a lot of the discomfort. So we treat the inflammation first and then we'll give adjunctive or add-on pain medicines if the dog is still really uncomfortable. And we will cover all this whenever we go through the arthritis talk. That's probably going to be like a multi-episode one because it's really important and it's something that affects, you know, honestly, every animal, dog, cat, ferret, rabbit, whatever, um, human, we all get arthritis. And so it's really worth us going into that in a little bit more detail. So what do I recommend as a, as a veterinarian? The thing I always tell people is, is when your pet is getting older and you, you know, if you have one incident of arthritis or your dog falls in the, the kitchen, slips on the tile, or your cat jumps down and, and for a few days is painful, I think that's where you need to talk with your veterinarian about keeping a stash of medications at home. They're very inexpensively, you can keep five to seven days worth of an anti-inflammatory at home for dogs or cats that you can kind of pull out when you need it. And I would oftentimes talk with people about that, especially if they had senior pets. I would say, you know, we're, I'm going to prescribe this for you and I'm going to give you a little extra in case Fluffy hurts themselves again, and you can just go ahead and restart these medications a, a second time. You don't have to call me because inevitably, as you guys all know, and I know because I deal with my own dogs, is that this stuff happens at like midnight on Saturday when the only places are open our emergency clinics and that could be a multi-hour wait and all this kind of stuff so it's, it may be worthwhile to just have a stash of these things at home to treat the pain in case it flares up and we know arthritis as as amongst a lot of other problems is cyclical right it can get bad and then it can get better and then it can get bad again and then it can get better so that's really all about um, the pain meds. Like, what can I use in my pets? And and honestly, I know that this is probably frustrating to a lot of you pet owners where you're like, well, crap, you just basically told me that I need to talk with my veterinarian. But I, I think that that's probably the best answer here because there's so many dangerous medications on the human side that you can give your pets, right? If you're in the middle of the woods and your dog really hurts themselves, I mean, I think aspirin, um, knowing the dose of that is really important for your pet. And you can always ask your veterinarian, like if on a off chance I can give this, but really, truly, again, it's such a weak pain medicine. You're probably not going to help that much. Get some pain meds, keep them at home, talk with your veterinarian about it, especially for your senior dogs and cats. You 
will never be upset that you have five days of a very inexpensive medication sitting around when you need it, right? So that's everything on pain meds. I did want to give a quick update on coronavirus. And I, I, I honestly, I feel like I've said this every time, but I think that this is going to be the last one. Even since the last update that I gave, a, a lot has changed, right? And I said this in the very first episode that we had, which was this is a rapidly evolving virus and we're learning so much as the weeks and months go by. And we're going to continue to learn a lot for years and years and years to come, right? But the big thing that I wanted to mention was coronavirus in cats. So for those of you that have been following the news, you probably heard that in late April, and as of today, it's May 3rd, I think, but in late April, there were two cats in New York that did test positive that were symptomatic. They had mild respiratory symptoms, and they ended up testing them for coronavirus, um, for specifically for COVID-19, and both of those cats did come up positive. At around the same time, there was another dog that tested positive in, I believe it was near Duke, and that dog actually did have upper respiratory signs as well. Again, we don't know if it's correlated to the coronavirus or if it's this game that I play every day, which is, is it coronavirus or is it allergies, right? And so could that dog have had allergies and then incidentally tested positive for coronavirus? Absolutely, right? Correlation versus causation. But we are starting to see some symptoms in these dogs and cats that are testing positive. There were a couple of tigers in New York Zoo that tested positive as well after coming in contact with zookeepers that had COVID-19. And then in a laboratory setting, they actually were shown that they could infect ferrets as well. And just real quick, we're going to go into the science of this because I, I do think it's actually really interesting and really important. So if you're not a science person, skip ahead maybe like a minute, but it, it's really interesting. So coronaviruses, this, this all makes sense because coronaviruses as a virus are what we call indiscriminate infectors, meaning that they'll pick a lot of species and infect them, right? Viruses want to live and they want to survive. So it's not uncommon for these viruses to spread to multiple species. What's interesting about coronavirus, and particularly COVID-19, is it actually binds to a blood pressure protein called ACE-2 or ACE2. And what's even more interesting is, is that in cats and primates specifically, that protein, that blood pressure protein is almost identical to what it looks like in humans. So it made logical sense that cats would be the creatures that would actually get this you know, spread to them and possibly show symptoms because the protein is so similar from one to another. So there's a little bit of science for you on why we think that this is spreading. But I think the same rules apply as what I said way back in the first one, which is if you get coronavirus, it is probably best that you isolate yourself from other people in the house and from your pets, right? Which is a difficult thing because cats and dogs love to cuddle with us when we don't feel well, but it's probably not in their best interest. And there still is no evidence that we can give it to a pet and then that pet can pass it along to another person in the house. So please don't 
give, get rid of your cats or let, put, take them to shelters or your dogs or whatever. There's still no evidence that they're, they're, they're able to transmit this to other people. And so far, their symptoms are very mild. I mean, we, I don't believe we've had any animal pass away from this whatsoever. So the sky isn't falling, but we kind of expected this, right? We kind of thought that if any creature was going to show the issue, it was going to be cats. So hopefully that's it. Hopefully we don't learn a lot more with our veterinary patients. I, I think me as a veterinarian and all the veterinarians out there would say, we're good. You know, we can handle this, uh, you know, but but it certainly is is something that we need to kind of keep our finger on the pulse of. And with that being said, I think that is everything for today. As always, I really appreciate you guys listening. I've had some lovely messages from people that they've really loved. They're loving the podcast. Hopefully we can get Ron back on here before too long. Um, I think me, I'm trying to figure out technology as I've got a little bit of spare time right now. So hopefully we can start getting some people to Skype in or call in and that'll be really cool. Um, again, if you're listening to this and you've got a half a second and you really like what you hear, please reach over and hit that five-star review on either iTunes iTunes or Spotify. It really, truly does help us out, um, you know, kind of gets this message to other people. And we will be speaking with you all again soon. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the Senior Pet Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to catch our next episode and follow us at the Senior Pet Podcast on your social media of choice. The information in this podcast is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional veterinary advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your veterinarian with any concerns about your individual pet. 